Hello, welcome to Up Nerd. This is the first full episode of Up Nerd. Even though this isn't necessarily the flagship show of the network, this is still going to be our first, so welcome. Now, before I get to the Against the Storm review, I wanted to open with a quick discussion about how you can expect the show to come out and a little bit more about each one. Thursdays like this one will feature the weekly variety show, a show where I just kind of talk about whatever. This will more often than not be me with somebody else. This week I'm just solo because my co-host came down with COVID, and full disclosure, I am also just coming off of it, so that's why I sound probably a bit off. The shows will likely be longer than the one this week, at least most of the time. Fine You Pick and Top 3 Bottom 3 will come out on Mondays, alternating between the two shows every week. With that tiny bit of housekeeping out of the way, let's get to the review we're talking about Against the Storm. Against the Storm is a roguelite city builder, and oh boy is it good. End review, I'll see you next time, I'm gonna go play some more. Alright fine, I guess I should talk a little bit more about it. In Against the Storm, you are a nameless viceroy. You're tasked with reclaiming the lands surrounding the last major city, called the Smoldering City. What sets it apart from most games like this is the lack of a persistent nature. What that means is, at the end of every cycle, everything outside the Smoldering City gets wiped out by something called the Blightstorm. The persistent elements are the things you've managed to collect by building your settlements during the cycle, and any upgrades you can afford from doing so. Every cycle is made up of a certain number of years. Years pass while you play in the actual city-building portion of the game. What this means is the game is a city-builder, but you're building cities over and over again, trying to create a network of cities which will allow you to make your way on the main map to the next seal, which closing one of these nets you more rewards and more time in the next cycle to reach the next seal and do it all over again. What you're doing is you're playing out what I feel like is the best portion of a city builder over and over again, and that's the beginning point when you're establishing a settlement, you're adding people, unlocking new buildings, new technology, all while the roguelite elements mean your city may not be the same as the previous one, even if the terrain or setting is relatively the same. The main map gives you an overview of the lands surrounding the smoldering city, and from here you choose where to put your settlement. Where you decide to place it affects the terrain, the different modifiers, positive and negative, you get, as well as what rewards you'll receive if you complete the settlement, or even if you don't. Completing the settlement means gaining a certain number of reputation points before the Queen's impatience, which is also in different meter, hits a certain level. Impatient rises over time, so it ends up being a give-and-take race between reputation and impatience. How much of either is needed is decided by the difficulty your settlement is set to. So in the end, you're constantly juggling a number of things. Resources, you've got the contentment of your villagers, which is called resolve in the game, and then to top it all off, there are three seasons in every year during the city-building portion in-game. One of those three seasons is a gigantic storm, which doesn't end until that part of the season is over. And man, these things can really derail your settlements. They have major negative effects, and they will flat out just cause hostility amongst your villagers to rise to the point that they'll start leaving if they're not happy. Now all of this sounds like a lot, and it definitely could be if the game's UI wasn't up to the task, but seriously, I haven't played a game like this with the sheer number of resources in it and had just so few problems keeping track of things. Through menus, you can set how much of whatever resource it is you want your villagers to make, or to collect, or to get, 
You can move buildings around to place them closer to resource nodes instead of having to rebuild over and over again. I just found everything really easy to read through while still being pleasant to look at. Speaking of which, the game has a fantasy setting and, well, my significant other said the trees and some of the forest settings give off of a bit of a Warcraft 3 vibe and she's not wrong. Everyone is animated really well as they move and I find it really easy to tell where everyone is and what they're doing. The game's graphics and art style just exuded sort of a cozy feeling to me. The only real complaint about them that I had, anyway, is I kind of wish it was easier to differentiate the buildings without having to click on them to see which one is actually which. But, as I said earlier, I still found it pretty easy to keep track of everything in my settlements. Especially considering the amount of depth there is in terms of the resources, in terms of different buildings you may need, and how to get to them and just keeping your cranky villagers happy as well. The villagers are made up of a number of different races, and each one has a unique set of wants and needs. The differences between them, as well as the various skills and weaknesses in terms of the jobs they can do and how well they do them, really give the different races some flavor. And did I mention I found it really easy to find all of these things thanks to a really good UI? Again, there's a ton of stuff here, but I never had a problem finding anything or any of the info I actually needed at the time. There's no combat here, but you will find things that will need to be dispatched or problems that need to be solved within glades. Glades are areas in the forest as you explore the map that you'll come across as your villagers cut down trees. And again, like a lot of the other things I've mentioned, these encounters are pretty varied and they keep things from feeling samey. The technology and the buildings you unlock as you go really helps with it not feeling the same each time you build and establish a new settlement. It mitigates it in part because the game has the roguelite elements, so sometimes you won't have access to a particular building or even a resource that you necessarily want or had access to the previous city that you built. Luckily, there's quite a few paths to get towards the resource or whatever it is you actually want to get to, so you may not have access to the particular building you want, but there are other buildings that'll get you to the same point anyway. As well as that, you can trade with merchants as they come to your village, and that is an incredible incredibly powerful tool, especially in the later game. There are times where you're just not going to have access to certain things, or you'll be in a pinch and there's something you could really use that would help you out, and a merchant will just happen to come by and you'll suddenly get access to it. It is very useful, and I highly recommend learning the trading mechanics in the game. Even if none of this works, and you aren't able to find a way through and win and finish that settlement, you'll still get rewarded with some materials in order to push down further through the unlockable persistent track. It lets you still get something out of your settlements, even if you fail, and it does a good job of making you, the player, feel like just one more turn or just one more shot if your previous settlement failed. You get the promise of being able to try again with a new settlement, but this time with maybe more resources or a new building or something different to try, or even different races to use. So what are the negatives here? There's not a lot. I did find myself wishing for maybe some more music tracks or sound effects to the game. That's one area that did contribute to a bit of a feeling of sameness as I built settlement after settlement. I also think some people are going to find the progression a little slow, as in getting the upgrades that are permanent and getting new buildings that way. I found the way to get around this is to turn up the difficulty. 
In fact, at the lower difficulties, you're not penalized at all for the industrialization of your settlement, really until you get up until veteran difficulty. And that one is the third difficulty on the initial list. The game forces you to up the difficulty as you close each major seal and record each of those major milestones, but I found the game much more balanced and fun when you start turning the difficulty up on your own well before the game forces you to. And plus, for some folks, the fact that you kind of need to play through each of the optional tutorials can be a bit of a downer. I found they worked really well, as they're still structured the same as an actual village in the game, just with some direction on what you should be doing and when. But I also know some people like to be able to just jump into the main portion of a video game blind, or without their progress while learning being reset. All that being said, there is a kind of optimum way to start out each of your settlements, and at higher difficulties it can feel like the easiest way to win is to just race and zerg your way up the reputation track. So you can play the way you want, but honestly it is a little easier if you just try to race your way up before building even a remotely functional settlement. Having said that, personally, I preferred to kind of take my time, and I found the game didn't really penalize me for it up until sort of the really late difficulty levels. Overall, I absolutely love this game. I purchased it forever ago when it was in early access because the idea sounded really neat to me, and then I didn't play it until the 1.0 release on December 8th. The game was developed by Aramite Games and published by Hooded Horse Games. It's available on any Windows-based PC, but I'll also note that it is on Xbox Game Pass. That means you can try it out for free if you're already subscribed to Game Pass and have a computer. I highly recommend at least checking it out if you enjoy city building at all. And if you enjoy roguelikes, I suspect you're going to get hooked by the combination of the two like I did. I've been really pleasantly surprised at the blending of two subgenres that honestly I never considered being put together at all. The way it uses the environment, the way there are persistent elements combined with the standard city building stuff just melds together to make sort of a perfect melting pot of a terrific game. Like I say, check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's not a super expensive game either. So yeah, enjoy. I hope to catch you soon. I hope this is the first of many episodes here on UpNerd. Feel free to rate and review the podcast. Maybe wait until one of our flagship episodes is out this coming Monday. But enjoy. See you all next time.